0: to you today believing. Believing for the Word of God to have free course. That's what we say among us. Free course. Lord, today in the name of Jesus, let the Word of the Lord God be readily received. Lord, the testimony of the Bereans stands out today, God, who they readily received the word and they searched the word daily to determine whether these things were so. Put the spirit of the Berean in us today that we might long to hear your, your word. And God, let the, the nature of Mary, who Father uh, sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word, and Jesus commended her, Lord God, for her uh, willingness to allow other things that were very important, but she chose... That which was more necessary is what Jesus said. So put that spirit in us today. Awaken the doctrine, God. Let it become more than just a sermon. Let the thing that I'm going to talk about today become, become a part of us. It's a part of who we are, what we believe, and we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Just real quickly, though, if you do journey with me today in 2 Corinthians, is where we're going to just kind of glean just very briefly. i want to tell you where I've been at. If you are not you haven't been with us, you know, before Brother Holyfield, for two consecutive weeks, I spoke along the line of something related to the Faith Promise card, uh, something just sharing the Faith Promise card that has already been mentioned, but that is uh, that it helps us to be able to sow into missions, to be able to give to missions and missionaries. And I've been encouraging you. The other pastors have been encouraging you. We've tried to know uh, capacity to try to manipulate giving, but but to to allow you to know that for us as a, a pastors and us as a board, we, we have to budget the church's resources. Don't you want us as leaders to be faithful stewards over what you commit? Don't you want to, when you put something in an offering container, you know that the people that receive it and that are responsible for allocating it and using it do so with a certain convictions, right? And certain principles that guide us. And one of the things that we would like, we, we need to be able to know, you know, wh- how much, what m- endeavor we can go to take missions to the next level. So that's been a part of my conviction as I have uh, been preaching to you. But I have to admit, two weeks ago, on the Sunday that the snowstorm was about to arrive, something happened to me that doesn't happen very often while I was preaching. Jane, I lost my confidence from the pulpit in what I was preaching, not in what I was preaching. But in the people's ability to hear and respond, I just wasn't confident that you were connecting. I was afraid um, that, that the perception, that your perception could be misconstrued and then you would misjudge my motive. The reason being, so many new people are in our fellowship today. So many new people that haven't historically because giving and the doctrine of giving is built layer upon layer. It doesn't just happen, does it? It's, you know, you read, you study, you hear sermons, you see others, you prove, so it's a process, but but in the most recent months, we've had such a a, a greater number of people come to our fellowship that are not new to some of the doctrines and the traditions that we hold to. Uh, I've been very cautious because the last thing that is ever in my mind, ever in my heart, is to manipulate giving. I just want you to know, this is my transparency before you, because I know many people come to church for different reasons in life, and obviously something inside of us compels us to come to worship God. But some people come out of crisis. Some people come because their marriage is on the rocks, and they just, they need a new start. So they, they get, or maybe sometimes their, their, their spouse won't even come with them, and they're just like, I got to, you know, I got to be in God's presence. And then you come here, and then, and then the, the pastor might be preaching a message about giving or missions or something of that nature, and that may seem so far away from where you are. But the reality is it's not. The reality is it's not, because giving is such a part of being a believer, is you can never separate it from what God has called you and who God's called you to be. What God's called you to do and, what, and who God's called you to be. Even in the most difficult days of your life, when you learn this, there's always the capacity to give at some level. And how many of you know giving goes far beyond just financial resources? Right? It certainly does. So I had to, I had to come to terms with where I lost my confidence And I had to go back and regather so that I would be confident in front of you. Because this is not copied and pasted from... um, a tele-evangelist. I believe in seed faith. I believe in, I preached the message two weeks ago about seed faith. I'm still a little bit in that vein here a little bit uh, in just a few moments. I believe in it, but I believe in more things than that. So I went back, I I went, I pulled all the sermons that I have historically preached that I maintained the copies of, and I was able to recover over 50 sermons that Pastor Brown has preached in 25 years of full-time pastoral ministry, and I'm prepared to share them with you today. However, I've chosen not to do that. But I went back and I gleaned page by page over every one of those sermons, and I can concluded that, and I reminded myself of why I preach what I preach, why I have this convictions, how that I have, you know. Again, I didn't gain this in a, and I want to, I don't want to take away from a classroom setting. I believe in a classroom setting. I, but I didn't gain the doctrinal principles that I hold dearly because, uh, you know, I went to a, a certain cl- uh, class. I, I was studying on my own. I was studying for the sake of my church. I was studying for the sake of my family. These are principles that I, I prayed over, I sought God for, and then I had to grow and to walk in. And I want you to know I want to have the clearest conviction today. I believe in these principles, and I encourage you to do the same. What do I mean by do the same? I encourage you to study to read and to pray. Don't just take my word for it. Prove these things. God used that word, didn't he, in Malachi 3. He said, prove me now, herewith saith the Lord. So we're gonna, So as I did this, I, again, the two sermons that I took that just caught my attention, the most were the sermons I entitled over 25 years. Two sermons were entitled Miracle Money. Now, I actually found one of them on our podcast, and I went back and re-listened to it last night. And I preached myself happy <laughs> and listening to it. And the reason why, when you think pr- miracle money, you're almost thinking, well, you pastor, you're doing that from a covetous standpoint. Now, I've been the beneficiary of miracle money. I believe in it. God is miraculous. Why would we not think that God w- could not at times move in that area of our finances the same way as he could move miraculously in another area? Surely he can and surely he does. But as a pastor... I have more than just a desire, for like for me, I, I know what it can do in your life when you have a confidence in God's omnipotent power, that God can make something happen for you. So that stirs my heart. And so before we get to that real quickly, then I'll retrace just in gleaning the principles, though I never get away from Principles second corinthians 8 and 9 i alluded to two weeks ago i walked it down i'm gonna walk it down real quickly Vagel's going to put some of these things on the screen but i'm not going to take the time to read all the text because uh you're going to go back and read those over but ultimately i said this is what and, and this is what motivates me the most pastorally concerning giving and receiving is second corinthians 8 and 9 so i want to encourage you in your personal discipleship husbands and wives singles young adults Take the time to read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Many times over. Pray over it. Ask God to show you some things. So I wanted, to, I wanted to do this today just briefly. And the reason why that I want to just kind of scan it, scrolling over it, just skimming over the top of it, is because I just wanted to remind myself and remind you that these are the things that, that quicken inside of me the doctrine that I try to share. I might shape it differently. How many of you know it's just like baking? You could take the same ingredients, but you can kind of mix it together differently a little bit to, for, for, to bring out something a little bit of a different perspective. That's what I, cite to, uh, I attempt to do. But this passage here, as I noted two, three weeks ago, it was about a special offering that Paul was receiving for the Jerusalem saints is what he defined it. That was a missions effort of many of the churches of Asia Minor which is Macedonia but then also the Grecian churches of Corinth and he encouraged them to be involved and they were taking a very special offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And so from this, we extract so many of our principles of faith and giving. And so just very quickly, if your Bible's open there, and then I'm just going to glean verses 1 through 4, the one thing that Paul did note, he simply, he commended the Macedonian church, he's writing to the Corinthians, but he commends the Macedonian churches because of their liberality, even during times that they might have seemed impoverished. That alone goes contrary to where our minds think, isn't it? Oftentimes in our minds, we think that, you know, I'm in such a state of uh, economic crisis in my life that I can't, you know, I can't, I can't give or I can't share. Many times, if you challenge yourself, you can find seed. Many, not all the time, obviously, because we do pray for God to give you seed to sow. We'll talk about that. But that was in verses 1 through 4. In verse number 7, he said this. This was my text three weeks ago, that you would abound in this grace also. And he put it in comparison to all the other things. Shatakai Mosiah, dance and worship in the Lord, prayer gifts, all these things. He said, man, you are excelling in all this. He said, do this in this area also. How I many you know God wants us to cover all the bases? This is not go to first, skip second, and get to third. Right. This is. Let's cover all the bases. That's what Paul was saying. Verse number twelve or verse number eight. Giving can prove the sincerity of your love at times. Well, well, well. Right. In essence, meaning everybody can say, "Oh, I love you. I love you." Right. Anybody can say it. How about display it? That's what Paul said right there. Verses eleven and twelve. He said it starts with the willing mind. How many of you know that you have to make a decision within your heart? Nobody can do it for you. You have to think on these things until something shifts inside of you. Every person in, their, uh, in their, the maturation of their faith has had to go through a process of learning to become a giver. And you had to have a moment when you said, God, this is the will of God for my life. Verse number 12 then, he said not only to have a willing mind, but then you got to follow through. Jojo, there's our basketball. I know that's a beautiful form right there. I could tell by your voice you coach basketball this weekend, but there's follow through. So what, what Paul said here is don't just have a willing mind. I know you're thinking if I Google search good basketball shooting form, Pastor Brown's going to come up. And uh, But with that said, that means you got to have a follow through. Don't just say it. Follow through. Do it. That's what Paul is saying here. He's challenging the Corinthian church. And then verse number 14, this is where the term equality that I referenced. And the way he used equality was he said he was actually comparing churches. He said at one time uh, you may have been in a difficult moment and you weren't able to give quite as much. And then another church was able to give more. And then this time they're not able to give as much, but you're able to give more. But what Paul in equality is he wanted everybody to participate. What would happen, what would happen in the churches of America, especially churches with a missions endeavor like we have in the Assemblies of God, if everybody within the fellowship suddenly became a giver? Did you know that over 80% of the finances in a local congregation are given by 20% of the people? What would happen? I went back and I, I this will blow some of your minds, but many, many years ago, I stood on this stage and I made a statement I said this right here, and I mean, you could have uh, heard a pin drop in here. I said, I want to share with you something that's happened to our church. But well, we've gone back, and we've studied, and we've looked at some records, and we've discovered that $118,000 was stolen from the church in the course of a, of a year, and it went calm. Nobody moved. They didn't know where I was going with that. And I simply said, that's the $118,000 that's missing from the people that actively participate in worship but fail to give. Hmm. Well, it's in the notes. It's in the file. That's available if you'd like it. I'll give you a copy of it. Chapter number 9, then, in Second Corinthians, then it gets real personal. So just real quickly, chapter number 9, Paul then begins to talk about the offering. Verse number 5, he states it again. He doesn't want to manipulate giving, and neither does Pastor Brown. It doesn't want this to be a, mo- a moment of covetousness. But he does teach that we should give bountifully, verse number 6. That's a famous passage of Scripture there. That if uh, you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And you will sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. How many believe that today? I do. I believe that God sees and he knows and, he, and, and God, is, uh, God, God keeps a record, and He knows our resources, and He teaches us. God, uh, God changes us till we are willing and we desire to give bountifully. Verse number 7, then, is that famous passage again as well, where God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I heard a pastor years ago said, God loves a cheerful giver, but He will take from a grouch. <laughs> but at the same time, though, there is a principle. I want to have joy in it. And I want you to have joy in it. I don't want you to feel like, where's the phrase, browbeated, that someone that we beat you over the brow and we just fleeced the sheep and we manipulated you and we pushed you and every time you came together. That's never been the practice of first assembly of God. It's never been my practice. It's never been my doctrinal position. My position has been to teach you principles and to challenge you to receive these principles by faith, to sow the seed of the word in your heart, and if you will water the seed, then it's going to grow. You'll become a giver at least at some level, right, if you hide this word in your heart. So he says, determined to give cheerfully. Verse number 8, there's that famous promise. I love this one. How many of you know God is able to make all grace abound towards you? All grace, and you'll become sufficient in all things. What does that mean? That means that when you need it, when you really need it, God's going to make it happen. Right? That's, the, that's the, the brevity of that promise right there it, it, it is that God said, I'll make you sufficient in all things. Verse number 10 is the verse I've quoted the most. At pastorally, God gives seed to the sower. Bread to the eater, and he multiplies your seed sown. Remember this, the seed that you sow, the gift that you give, it is seed to you, but it's bread to somebody else. And that God watches over it, and that God can multiply it where all can receive of his bounty and of his blessing. Verse number 11, it is that you'll be enriched in everything. I love this because when I talk and I preach reciprocation, I'm going to talk about miracle money in just a moment, just briefly. I want you to know today when I talk about miracle money, I'm talking about miracle provision. Money is just a means of exchange. We see the hand of God come upon our lives, not just because reciprocation we get a check here or somebody gives us. That does happen. How many know that there are times in your life that God just moves somebody? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together shall men give to your bosom. So we know that that is possible, and it does happen in our lives. But when you're enriched in everything, it's not just in reciprocation of financial giving, but it's in peace. It's in contentment. How many know contentment, uh, you know, is of is great gain itself, right? It's godliness. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, I've said it before. I could live in a cave as long as I have the peace of God on my life. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Abraham lived in a tent, and he was blessed, right? And he was the most blessed man of his day, and he lived uh, as, as a, uh, a shepherd and in a tent. So being enriched in everything, you have to apply that to your family, to your home, to your personal relationships, to your own confidence that you have in God. God wants to enrich your life because only when you're enriched fully to the fullest of God's blessing are you able to truly shine the love and the light of God. If you're downcast all the time, disheartened, broken in spirit, come with me to the first assembly of God. Come on, you're like Eeyore. You might remember Eeyore, Eeyore from Pooh Bear, right? I, don't, I hadn't read that story in a long time, but Eeyore was just, uh, just downcast. And how many of you know God wants to lift your countenance? When you're enriched, your countenance is up, right? You got a smile on your face, you got joy in your heart. Things can happen that you cannot control. My countenance fell during the election. I went back, I preached to you, I told you all that. I was very transparent. But, you know, I had to reach the place where I I get my countenance back up again, right? And become who God's, keep being who God's called me to be. Some things I can't control, some things I can't. Verses 12 through 13 uh, is where it says, as you give, the end result is other people are going to give God thanks. Somebody that receives the bread, that seed to you, bread to somebody else, somebody's going to be giving God thanks. I'm going to show with you at the end of this message of how somebody's giving thanks on your behalf here in just a moment. And then lastly, he said, that last verse number 14, he said, And not only are they giving God thanks, but somebody's praying for you. I love that. That means somebody that received a blessing from you because you gave, that person, that person is praying and asking God to bless you and your family. That's at the local church level, but it's also, how many you know we're a part of the universal bride of Christ right so now you're new to the church you're new to the people of god listen god called us to be different god didn't call us to be hoarders he called us to be givers he called us to live life with a smile right to have hope during hopeless seasons right to always be a light in the midst of darkness that's who the body of christ is right we are the city set on a hill that cannot be hid you don't take a light and hide it under a bushel do you No, you expose it for all the world and so we want to share and shine what God has done in our lives. So as I, again, gleaned through all these messages, I arrived at this conclusion. The point, of well, the one that just stirred in my heart was on miracle money. And I made a couple of notes in context concerning this. Do we, and should we, when we give, should we have an expectation of receiving? And so some would see that and they would, they would view that. I don't think that's me. It's probably some CB person driving by. If people use such things, CBs anymore, you can tell I'm a 70s child. But with that said, is it wrong for us when we give to say, God, I need you to do something in my life? You know, I told you three weeks ago, we tie our need to our seed. I don't believe it's, I don't believe it's biblical heresy or biblical error for you to link a need to your seed. And I see it in the word of God in too many places, and I have a deep-seated conviction that when we give, and we give a seed, then we put God, and we put notice, and we say, God, you see our faith, you see the need that we created when we did give, and now we're trusting you. I shared with you at that time, Philippians 4 and 19, which is the most often uh, misquoted verse in the Bible, where it says, and my God. Paul the Apostle, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. I mean, have you ever quoted that verse of Scripture? But that need wasn't created because of uh, poor financial decisions. The need was created because you gave. And when you gave, you created need. And then in doing so, you're able to say, and my God. I like that, my God. Every good and perfect thing that comes into my life comes down from the Father of lights. I don't care where it comes from. It can come from you. It comes from the Father. It could come from my business, but it comes from the Father. It could come from your employer, it comes from the Father. And even coming from Uncle Sam, right, I say it still comes from the Father. Whichever means and ways that God chooses to bring reward into my life, I I want you to know that I see it as coming from God. And I believe in miracle money. I believe that when you cast in, remember when Jesus didn't have enough money, uh, at least on him or his disciples to pay his taxes. It's in Matthew chapter number 17. You can read it on your own. It's that famous passage of Scripture where he had Peter's dialogue because they they came to Peter at Capernaum. It's just where Peter's house is. And we visited. We got to stand just within feet of where Peter's home was in Capernaum. And we were there uh, many years ago and reminded of the things that happened in Jesus's ministry and there was a moment when he didn't have the resources for his tax money that was due and I shared with you how that Jesus told Peter what to do he said go down to the sea and do what cast in a hook and he said to take up the fish that comes out. And there was a coin. And I may have shared with you that they, they found a, that, that, that there's a coin. That there is, excuse me, there's a fish in the Galilean Sea that has a little pocket under its gills. And occasionally their eye is drawn to something that shimmers in the water. And so it wasn't that he just, God materialized the gold coin. What actually God had done is that I preached it, I went back and I listened to my sermon, Miracle Money, and I, t- I told it this way. I said, I could see it this way. I could see somebody proud and pompous, somebody that was a hoarder, somebody that took tax money the wrong way, and they were out in their boat, and they maybe had pulled their little pouch of gold out, and they were counting their, cha- or counting their gold coins, and all of a sudden a wave. How many know God, God controls the waves? And all of a sudden, the wave hit the boat, and they heard this little dingling, and then one of their coins pops out and splashes in the water. You know why I believe that? It's because God knew there was going to time when Peter and Jesus needed a gold coin. And the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And God said, if God could bring a whale to take Jonah before he hit the bottom, God could bring a little fish to catch that gold coin. And he held How long did he hold it there? Weeks, months, years? We don't know. He held it until the time was right when the men of God needed miracle money, right? And then at the right time, God brought it in. God brought it in, and he caught the fish, and he looked inside its mouth. I hope to go fishing next week. I may start looking in the mouth of the fish that I catch. And so it's a principle. So when you see that in so many places throughout the Word of God, you can't help but come away and just say, you know what, I believe in miracle money. I believe in God's divine provision. I'm going to ask at this time, we're going to share a testimony, and then I'm going to give a concluding text and then share the video. But I had an opportunity, uh, Chris and Rebecca are going to join our church. I don't know if this is me, so y'all try to fix me if it is. Sherry's tried for 34 years, <laughs> to no avail. But nonetheless... They're going to be uh, joining our church, and in my visiting with them, Chris shared with me one of the most powerful testimonies related to the very thing that I'm talking about here today and how it altered his life personally and his family's life, and I want him to come now and to share with us. Chris, where's that mic? You got the microphone already. Come on. Come on up here. You're missing a good place to put your hands together, and welcome Chris to the platform. Now, many of you have probably known Chris before I have got to know he and Rebecca over the last few weeks. You're man. All right, this isn't because I'm going to cry. I might, but it's not what that's not. Uh, Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I was able to interpret. It was one he had actually told me previously, and I told him it's one of the most powerful stories related to this principle. Does that mean every time that you give in an offering container that there's going to be a miracle mo- money moment like that? No, it doesn't. But it does mean that God will make all grace abound towards you. That means that when the moment is really critical in your life, you can trust God, that God's going to make His way known and His His resources. It's a powerful testimony. Many of you will never forget that because that is actually miracle money right there. To be honest, if you'll look back in your life, you'll start discovering you've had miracle money. Moments in your life. Let me tell you, and this is a principle that I hold dearly to my heart, and I want to say this very carefully in my convictions. you don't sell, You don't wait to celebrate... Uh, just when it's a very bountiful moment like Chris' experience. I'm telling you, when God just does a little kind thing for you, right? And he drops a little, you know, Ruth, re- rejoice when God left something in the field. When God leaves you something, you just say, God, I want to thank you, right? I want to thank you for your, your blessings. I'm going to share with you a li- one closing text of Scripture, and then I'm going to share a video with you that is going to just kind of wrap all this up together here today. Men, are you all out there? It's a miracle money, a belief, that seed to sow, bread to eat. I know you have to arrive at this place. It was three weeks ago, two weeks ago. I lost my, I lost my, I, for that moment, I lost my confidence in this doctrine that I was preaching in front of you. But I prayed and I said, God, I will not do that today. I will stand before the people with an authoritative, hopefully a prophetic voice. And I will speak the word of God with the clearest conviction that these are true principles of faith. If you believe, you'll receive You can activate. You can see things. And I shared with you two weeks ago of the story of Elisha as I closed the message. Elisha, the ancient prophet of Israel, the heir to the prophetic call that was first on his mentor, Elijah. Elisha, who caught the mantle beside the Jordan River and walked over and hit the Jordan River with the mantle and saw the waters part in a heap, and he walked across on dry land. It was that Elisha that had gone to Shunem. It was chapter 4, verses 8 through 37. 7 that I briefly walked you through and at Shunem is where a woman with her husband began to see the itinerating prophet come to town and she said I want to do something for him and she gave him food, invited him into her home. He kept coming back and she said you know what let's go ahead and build a little place for him to rest. Anybody remember the message? It's a famous story. I've given, I've given you the text 2 Kings chapter number 4 verse 37 and I culminated that story by saying what was bread to to the prophet was seed to the woman. Seed to sow, bread to eat, God multiplies your seed sown and so when she really had need in her life and the need was made known to the man of God her womb was bare and her husband was old she had no child which was a very difficult thing in the culture the prophet spoke a prophetic word over her womb and a year later she brought forth a bouncing baby boy it's part of the whole text I believe in things like that don't you I believe in the miraculous power of God and so then the story tells us that the child after he was weaned had gone out to see his father his elder father into the field perhaps a sunstroke the child fell under the sunstroke he was sent back to his mother and while she rocked him on her lap he died but she carried him up into the room of the man of god and laid him on his bed remember that story i remember just gleaning it just very very quickly And so she sent for the man of God who was at Mount Carmel, and she was at Shunem. He makes the journey, comes back to her house. He goes up to the little upper room, and there finds the child. He stretches himself out on the child. He prays unto the God of heaven. He had seen Elijah the prophet do it, and now he's doing what his mentor did, and he prayed. And God, the God of all life, the God who breathes life, breathed into the nostrils of the young child. He coughed and sneezed seven times, opened his eyes, and Elisha called the woman back into the room and gave her her child back how many you know that is receiving from seed you've sown right that is receiving of the harvest the bountiful harvest and for thousands of years christian believers and for jewish believers have rejoiced in that testimony it stimulates our faith but i wanted to close to tell you today that that wasn't the end of the story sometimes the gift keeps on giving And so we're going to close just by narrowing six, looking quickly at six verses of Scripture I wanted you to see, because these are principles that when I read these verses of Scriptures, I am stirred in my heart to say, God's a God of of miracles, and it's in my life in every area. Then spake Elisha, four chapters over, unto the woman whose son had restored to life. So you know who that is, the Shunammite woman. And he told her, Arise and go thou and thine household. Her husband was old, so he's now probably deceased. And sojourn whithersoever thou canst sojourn, for the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall also come for seven years. Verse 2. And so the woman arose, and how many of you know it's important to do after the saying of the man of God? Well, 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 right there. I lost my confidence three weeks ago, but I will, or two weeks ago, but I will not today. I'm going to say it again with a clear conviction. It is important that you respond when there's a true man of God speaking the word of God to your life. Right, you need to respond. She did it after the saying of the man of God. She went with her household and she sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. Now, if you know anything about, back up real quick, back of the number two. If you know anything about the terrain, Shunem is in the hill country of the. It's the central part of the of the land of Israel. The land of the Philistines is against the Mediterranean coast. So you know what she did? She just moved to the coast. She moved to Florida for seven years at the word of the man of God. And so, then when the seven year famine is over, it came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returns out of the land of the Philistines and she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and her land. Paul's right there. So she came to the king. So, when you've got to see this, in, as I used to say so often, the theater of your mind. And so, in those days, many times the king acted as the judge. And so, this is King Joram. He is the son of the wicked king Ahab, and the palace is in Samaria. And so, Joram is there, and he's hearing people that are coming petitioning. You know, when, when I get the mental image, I've gone to the court, the local court a few times, and I've been with people that get an opportunity to come and kind of plead their case before the judge. How many of you have either been there, seen there, watched it? Unfortunately, you might have been standing there and, and pleading your case. And so, but in this scenario, though, what's happening is one by one, somebody's coming up, and they're sharing, and it's loud, it's not as quiet, order in the court, it's not necessarily the thing. And what's happening, while the king is kind of listening to some people make their petition, look what's happening in the fourth verse real quickly. And the king is talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. Gehazi, remember, was the servant of the man of God, Elisha but Gehazi fell into covetousness and he ended up being severed from the ministry. He became a leper as a result of judgment because of his covetousness. And and I actually discovered, and time won't allow me to develop this, but some have told us that Jewish people believe that in the story in the sixth chapter of 2 Kings, when there are four lepers that are outside the city in Samaria that discover that the Assyrians have left and vacated their tents, that Jewish historians believe that Gehazi Gehazi was one of the lepers. And so perhaps that's why he was given the opportunity to come and to talk with the king. So while the king is hearing from some of the people, he's kind of in the backdrop talking to Gehazi. Gehazi, tell me about Elisha. Yes, I understand, Grandma. Okay, I hear. Yes. All right, well, this is our past sentence on this. Uh, tell me a little bit more about Elisha. So that's playing out. And so Gehazi is, uh, hears it. Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha had done. Fifth verse. And it came to pass as he was telling the king, talking about a God of timing. Are y'all out there today? I'm talking about a God of timing. And it came to pass as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life that Gehazi lifts up his eyes and the woman that he hasn't seen in over seven years, she had been in the courtroom all along. Now it was her turn and she's standing in front of the king asking that the king would give her her house and her land back because squatters had moved in while she was gone for seven years. And Gehazi, in astonishment, look what he said. My lord, O king, this is the woman right here. He just got through telling the king privately. Let me tell you about this woman. She had a son. She didn't have a son. We spoke a word. She had a child. The child died. The man of God prayed. The child came back to life. And he looks up and there's the woman. And he said, my God, right there she is. And look at the six verse. Don't tell me there's no such thing as miracle money. Don't tell me there are not times when a gift keeps on giving. And a woman that many years ago saw an old man walking into her town needing a place to stay. And she gave him bread. And she built a room. And she put a bed. And she gave him a lamp. And she gave him a table not knowing that when she was sowing seed there was going to come a day in her life when she needed bread. And in this moment of time the king asked the woman. And she, the king then appointed unto her a certain offer and said I want you to restore come on now restore all that was hers and all the fruits of the field back pay seven years from every bit of harvest that came out of the field where her son died when he went out to go see his dad gleaning in the field or working in the field and now he said I want you to go you count every bit of grain and I want you to write the check and give it back to that woman That's what gives me the conviction to stand in this pulpit periodically and tell you, I believe God gives seed to the sower, he gives bread to the eater, and he multiplies your seed sown. And at some time in your life, you're going to be in one of those three categories. You're going to either need seed or it's your time for the bread. But then you get to rejoice as God multiplies it. Come on. I feel that in my spirit today. We're all in this journey somewhere. So here's what I want you to do. Let me tell you something. I want to show you something now. I've got something up here. I better have it up here. I do have it up here. I'm going to hold it. I'm going to show you a video. And I'm going to close this message, and I'm going to tell you what I've got an expectation for you. I've got an expectation. I'm going to share with you in just a moment. I want you to watch a video. Right now, we'll go ahead and hit the lights if you would, and let's play the video. Six minutes and 17 seconds. Is going to ask us to give towards the African tabernacle. No, I'm not. So, again, that's a hush that goes over the crowd because you presume that that would be the case. I've come here today with an envelope that's already sealed. There's a check for $7,500 to build a tabernacle. To send it off, it's been written from First Assembly of God from our account. From our account. Why didn't i ask you to give i've asked you for three weeks to think about a faith promise card so i talked to our board and i said you know what we need to sow a seed we need to sow a seed and we need to attach our need to this seed and here's what i'm doing i'm sowing this on behalf of first assembly And we're going to trust that. We're going to get to find out. The missionary will send us back. We will get to see what tabernacle. We will get to see that pastor just like we saw here today. We will get to see this. I will get updates that I'll bring in front of you. But I do have an expectation. My expectation is my prayer before God is that God will awake in the heart and the life of men and women of first assembly. The desire, the need to come alongside and become more faithful givers in the kingdom of God. That God, you say, Pastor, I've never been a giver, and, and, and no one likes to talk about that openly. It's privately to you. You know where you're at in this journey of life. If you need seed, you've got to ask the Father for seed, right? But then when he gives seed, you've got to be willing to sow some, right? Another sermon is you can't eat your seed in time of need. You have to see the hand of God and your willingness to be able to sow it. I want to ask you to stand up with me today. When you walked in and you walked past that, that, that table out in the foyer, there was a little place that said, Faith Promise Cards. They were there. They've been there for three weeks. They're going to be there next week. They're going to be there the week after. They're going to always be available in the foyer. It's not something that has, that we say, okay, today is the final day. Today is the day this ends. No, absolutely not. But there has to be a moment when we as a church family do something that says, I'm participating. I'm, I'm, I'm committing this. I'm... I'm sharing, I'm sowing, I'm, I'm working. Um, I've got mine somewhere. It's stuck here in my Bible that I wanted to bring to the, to the, to the body today or to mind eternity, and it might be right there if it is. So, but I want to ask you, church family to join with me. He said, Pastor, it's a stretch of faith. I know it's a stretch of faith, and I'm not ashamed to ask you to stretch your faith. I lost my confidence when I was in this pulpit two weeks ago to watch that brother up there on that stage or up there on that screen and I knew, and I said to myself, you know what? If God, God can use us to do that and much more. And I'm talking the blessing of God will run you down. I believe that with all my heart today. I want to ask you today, if you would, to let's just let our heads be bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask somebody to accompany me on the on the uh keyboard if you would for a moment because I'm not going to just rush out of here today because I said we're going to pray for Melissa that's a part of missions if you did bring a a a faith promise card you can put your in, in the basket I'm going to put this one in the basket as a point of contact and reference for the future faith to see it to sow it to say God we need your help in this ev- endeavor I want to ask her heads bowed and her eyes closed for a moment I want to ask you to just to do a little soul searching Chris's testimony was so powerful he said he had a come to Jesus moment. I think all of us have had to have that come to Jesus moment in the area of giving. We all had to have that moment when we, we, we arrived at the place and said, it's for me, it's not just for someone else. You know, there comes a moment when you say, I can't just let someone else always be the one that gives to pay for the facility or to give us a pastor or to send a missionary across the seas. I've gotta be added in there somewhere. My family's resources have to be folded in there somewhere. That's why Paul said it starts, with a, it starts with a willing heart, a ready mind, and then you follow through. God of heaven, I come to you on behalf of a church family, many of which I know well, and others I'm learning to know and fellowship with. Many of which, Father, I have watched for 18 years now, their faithfulness in giving, I have have shaken my own head and my own personal shame when I've seen the sacrifice of men and women give into either a tithe or an offering or a missions endeavor or benevolence. And I've honored you, God, as I have looked at their faithfulness. But God, today I've got a whole new church family. And I pray today, Father, that we all catch a new season of Of giving in our heart and life without being coerced or manipulated without father god it being a form of covetousness but rather that we're motivated by love we're moved by the power of the holy spirit that sometimes god we give to the man of god and sometimes we give through the man of god and we recognize that by faith promise god that we're giving through this church we're not giving to this church we're giving through this church We're given to help house uh, young mothers in Hot Springs or orphan children. Or we're helping send Brother Holyfield into the prisons, God. Or we're building a tabernacle in Africa. Or we're sending missionaries to the Red Light District in Bombay, Father, somewhere around the world. God, wherever wherever this gospel goes, God, wherever, uh, Father, our, our endeavors, God, it takes place because somebody gave somebody had seed to sow and somebody became an eater of the bread but then you multiplied the seed sown and all partook in the bountiful blessing that took place i want to ask you i'm going to do something i'm going to do something it's between you and god and i'm going to keep my eyes closed but i want to ask you in the name of jesus to make a point of contact heavenward by the up, upraised hand. I'm not going to look because I want this to be personal to you, you and God. You're here today, though, and you say, Pastor, these are areas that I've struggled with, or I've, I've, I've had seed, but I haven't always sown the seed. Pastor, just pray for me, and I'm not going to, God knows, and i join my faith to it right now, but I'm going to leave it private between you and the Father. But I want you to have the courage to raise your hand up. Just to raise your hand up before the Father and to do it and say, God, here's the prayer. Here's the prayer. God, give me seed to sow. Who will pray that prayer with me right now? God, give me seed to sow. Give me seed to sow, God. Give me the courage. Father, give me the ability to always, whenever you bless me, to always, whatever bread I get, whatever resource comes into my life, that I will learn to always sever a portion of it that can be sown back into the kingdom. The words of our testimony were that I can give it forward. I can gift it forward. God, we want to be that people. God, we want to be the people, God, in the name of Jesus. that takes of what you give us and always sever some. And there are those here under the sound of my voice today, the sound of my voice, that say, Pastor, I'm going to give, but I'm going to tie a miracle. I'm going to tie a need to my seed. I'm going to give it sometime not necessarily today sometime in the future sometime i'm going to pick up a card i'm going to write on the back of that card i need i wrote on my card and i've got i've got needs that i wrote down there and, and right here i've got my faith card and i wrote it down and i put down three things on the back of it that will be a beneficiary a beneficial to my family to mine and share our family and to our church family and so i tied a need to my seed and i want to encourage you to do so you're here today, and this time I, I don't. Ca- I am going to be looking. I, everybody's uh, head is bowed, but I'm looking around. Who here says, Pastor, I have got a need in my life that I need God to meet? And I'm going to tie at some point in time in the future, whether it's today, later. I'm going to tie a seed to my need. And raise your hand up. I want to see you. Have to be courageous. It may be about your business. It may be a family member. It may be relational. God of heaven, give that person faith. Give them courage, God, so that as they sow, they sow with expectation. For Paul said, "If we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully." Father, Paul said that you will make all grace abound towards us in the name of jesus god i thank you today in a moment's time we're gonna we're gonna let this church family out of here today and as we do so god we've fully charged and challenged them i'll move off of this subject next week but god today today lord in the name of jesus these truths have been sown in faith and love in their heart we've heard testimony we have been moved in our spirit by what we have seen on the platform and on the screen but we want it to be more than just somebody else's testimony. We want it to be our testimony.